welcome to your best riding life. An extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in today because today we're talking to a great panel of industry experts on the topic of why hire a writing coach. My industry experts are Deb DeArmond and Peggy Sue Wells, and I'll be tossing my coaching two cents in on this as well. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Deb is an award-winning author, speaker, and writing coach, helping others to achieve their goals, whether in marriage, family relationships, at work, or in ministry. Her books reflect that path. Her newest release, We May Be Done, But We're Not Finished, encourages and informs women 50 and older how to make the rest of their life the best of their life. And Peggy Sue loves to parasail, skydive, snorkel, scuba dive, and she has taken but not yet passed, so I'm not getting in the plane with her, pilot training. Riding from the 100-acre woods in Indiana, Peggy Sue is the founder of SingleMomCircle.com and the best-selling author of 30 books, including The 10 Best Decisions a Single Mom Can Make, Homeless for the Holidays, and Chasing Sunrise. Peggy Sue coaches writers from concept through completed manuscript, and any portion is needed. Right now, girls, I'd like to welcome you both to your best writing life. Thank you much. Glad to be here, Linda. Hey, so glad to spend time talking shop. Ooh, talking shop. That's what we want to do. Ah, talking shop as writing coaches. And Deb, I'll start with you. What is your coaching sweet spot for Christian writers? And then if you'll extrapolate on that a little bit and tell us why. I think probably end to end or cradle to grave. Uh, lots of my clients are first timers and they come to me with often a book idea and a few paragraphs and they want to work through the entire process. So outlining the chapters, helping them as they write the chapters, editing and giving them feedback all the way through into the one sheet and the proposal design is, and even pitching. So it's, it's like raising a child in some ways or um, because you're with them from the beginning until the end of the process. This is good. How, how long have you been coaching? Well, I've been a life and business coach for more than 25 years. And I was certified as a writing coach about three or three and a half years ago. And it has become my love. I had a great coach when I was coming up. And I feel like I'm helping to sort of return that favor. I like that. I do like that feeling of being able to put back out into the world what God has given us to utilize. So that's very sweet. Very sweet. Thank you so much. Peggy Sue, what is your coaching sweet spot for Christian writers? You know, contrary to the myth of the writer as the tortured soul slaving to produce in isolation, I have found that writing is a team sport. And, you know, we, hmm. you take your back to the chiropractor, you take your infection to the doctor, you take your manuscript to a coach. And I work with writers from concept to published work or for a segment of that process as they need. Sometimes there's like, I just need, you know, help over this one place where I'm high centered. And so as the author of 30 books, and I've also ghost written many more, 
and I'm a teacher. And so with those behind me, I know the next steps. I've done a lot of teaching at conferences and colleges and going into schools and teaching uh, kids and teenagers how to write. And I will take them all the way through um, until a project is complete. And then once it's complete, I do pass the client on to a line editor because those little tiny things, I will miss that. And I know that about myself. So I'll pass them to a line editor. And then if they're going to self-publish, I will connect them with a formatter. Well, this is good. Well, it sounds like you also answered my question, why? But I guess I'll toss that out there. With this being your sweet spot, is there a reason why you like taking them from the beginning to the published material? I think because I, I know the process. I know writing a book is a long journey. And mm. I love seeing the completed process. And like Deb said, a book is a lot like raising a child. 50% of it is going to turn out the way you anticipated. And the other 50% is going to take <laughs> on a life of its own. And it's really fun to go and explore in that direction. And sometimes we have to herd it back into some confines of this is the focus and this is the theme and this is what's going to give the most benefit and transition to the reader. And then other times we're like, oh my goodness. So for instance, with one of my books, it was what to do when you don't know what to say. And it was all about how people come alongside other people and help them through crisis. And as I was saying to people, what did someone do that helped you? 50% of the time, someone said, well, I can sure tell you what somebody did that didn't help. And that wound up mm. being a chapter in the book, probably the most important chapter in that book, merely because that's where the book needed to go. But I didn't know that when I put the outline together. Mm. So it sounds like both of you have the ability to fill in gaps that we as writers don't even recognize that we have which really does make the manuscript solid. It gives it more than what we could bring as a writer. I'm kind of in my own little area. And to be able to reach out to someone who is qualified, to someone who is used to doing this process more than I am, especially if I'm the first-time writer, then it really does behoove me to seek you out, to seek out someone that has been there before me, that knows what I'm doing. But I have a question on that as well. Is it important, and this is for both of you, is it important for us to seek out writing coaches that write specific to the genre that we are writing in? I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Deb, I'll go back to you. Okay. I'm primarily published as a nonfiction writer. It's where I'm the most confident and comfortable. I've been working on a novel for four years, and God said next year is the one that's going to finish it. Taking on fiction for me, I wouldn't feel necessarily particularly as capable as I feel a coach needs to be as far as being in the know. However, I have a fiction client. She has hired a very capable and well-known author to be her writing coach, but she's kind of like that gal who will do anything to avoid the act of writing and desperately wants to finish her work because she's a procrastinator. She is constantly distracted. She needs accountability. She needs someone to help her plan how she's going to move forward. And that's been an interesting experience. I had known her for a couple of years 
and knew she was working with this other author who was helping shepherd the actual writing of the book, she said, I need somebody who's not my husband or my children, my adult children, to say to me on a regular basis, so what did you do today? How much did you accomplish? And why aren't you writing? And I've been able to create some tools for her that have really helped move her along. It's not anything I ever expected to be doing as a coach. But when you think about it, how many people do you know in life who've said, oh, I want to write a book. I had an idea for a book for years. Well, tell me about it. Well, I haven't actually really done much with it. I've got a notebook with some notes in it. And part of it is they don't know how to get started or how to structure the process. And procrastination has its roots in perfectionistic thinking. If I can't get it right today, well, then I'll wait until tomorrow. And that's why occasionally we see books published where people say, I just knew I had a book in me. And you think to yourself, ooh, perhaps you should have left it there because <laughs> it's not well written. And they decided that if God called me, I can do this on my own. I don't need any outside help. And so this aspiring author has decided to take that two-pronged approach. Someone to help me with my craft and someone to help me understand that the business of writing requires that I be able to meet deadlines, that I'm accountable for the work, that I have a plan to promote the work. And we're doing all of those things together. That's good. That's a kind of a complete package. And I like that there was separation there with them getting someone to help them actually with their manuscript per se in the writing. And then what you're bringing in on that end. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Peggy Sue, what are your thoughts on that? Do writers need genre specific coaches? Uh, We need to go for the coach that is going to help us where we need it. And sometimes what we want isn't always what we need. So like Deb was saying, she knows what the writer needs in order for her to get what she wants, which is a completed book. And having a coach that's in a complementary genre is helpful because there are industry specifics about each genre. There are connections within that genre that your coach will know because they have connections. And then there's also trends because writing is a trendy thing in the same way that our clothing and our hairstyles are. There are things that are in now, they're not in later, and you need to know that in order to look professional. So getting a coach that is at least in a complementary genre and also somebody who is active and publishing is going to be helpful for you. And when you're choosing a coach, it's like as a writer, you don't know what you don't know. But a coach is your first reader who helps you keep your audience in mind. They remember that every reader is there saying, what's here in it for me? They help you stay on target. The coach hears and understands your veiled fears and insecurities. You can say why you're procrastinating on that. And I'll bet you lunch out, Deb would say, and what I'm hearing between the lines is, and she'll be able to put her finger on what those fears and insecurities are. And we talk about them and we get them out and get you to overcome them. The coach is a safe place for your rough drafts because we understand the process that our first drafts are all rough. And so you can bring them and we can help you work it through. And the part about working with someone in genre, like let's say I had a client that came to me who was working on her memoir and she calls me because we were doing this over phone and she says, I've got everything I can think about and it's all in here and it's 40 pages. 
And she said, so that's not enough for a book. Why am I stuck? And I said, I love that you asked that. I said, what is the thing that you are most fearful of anyone finding out about you and about this thing that you went through? And she said, I don't want to write that. And I said, exactly, which is why you're going to. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to publish it, but we need you to get past that big thing and put that down on paper. And she came back with that written. We polished it up. It became her opening chapter because mm. it was the thing that readers can go, oh, me too. Oh, I didn't know somebody else felt that way. I didn't know somebody else had that fear, that dark place that that we needed to think that we couldn't share with somebody. And then she was stuck again. And I said, when was the last time you went back through your family photo albums? And she said, I don't go there. It's not fun. And I said, guess what you're going to do between now and your next phone call? And she did go back through those. And so that's what your coach is going to do. They're going to help you go into those places that you're scared to go, but you're going to mine out those gems, which then become that page turning memoir. This is fantastic because both of you shared aspects of what we don't realize as writers that we may need that we will encounter in the writing journey, but maybe we don't have a name for it, or maybe we don't have a concept that we need to have in order to make our manuscript flow, make it where a publisher will take a look at it and go, this is, this is meat. This is solid. This is great. This is what I want. And with what you've both shared with me, let me ask you another question that kind of dovetails into that. Has there been a potential writing client that has approached you about coaching and you've said, no, I don't think we're a good fit? Well, I came to that conclusion with a client, Linda. Um, okay. She had been a, an academic writer professionally for years. She really had a desire to write Christian-themed books and she had sent me a couple of examples of her academic writing. She was very good. The challenge was everything sounded academic, even in her other writing, even in some devotionals. And it just didn't work. And as we worked through the, for, through the first or second appointment, she eventually said, I think procrastination is my biggest problem. So we began to move down that line. And I asked her for some accountability. And she did send it the first week, and it was pretty egregious. It's amazing she had time to do any writing at all, and it wasn't much. And in the second week, just prior to our conversation, she hadn't sent me anything. I requested it for her before we met on the phone. And she said, yeah, I've, I've decided that's kind of a waste of my time. It's really not what I want to be doing. And I said, okay, well, let's try a couple of weeks. So we went another week. And eventually I said to her, you're not ready to write. You're doing everything possible other than writing. Procrastination, you identified it. You were very clear about you're easily distracted. She has a high need to meet other people's needs. And she's become the person that you can always call and say, hey, can you pick up my kids after school? I'm going to be late. Or could you take care of our dog while we're on vacation? She never learned how to say no. And ultimately, I just said, when you are ready to make this a primary focus and award at the time it requires, I'd love to work with you again. But until then, 
this is not equitable for either of us. You're not getting what you need to do um, and want to learn because you're not quite ready. And she agreed with me and thanked me for being honest because we had a contract that I could have held her to, but I wasn't going to. And candidly, I was relieved. It was one of the most frustrating coaching experiences I ever had. Mm. But you did come to an agreement together. We did. I would never have fired her. I asked her, I made a recommendation and said, I'd like you to think about this. And she did. And it didn't take her very long. And she came back and let me know that, yes, she agreed that she needed to be able to tackle that issue before she could make the time and the priority for the work that was required. Okay, good. Peggy Sue, what about you? I tend to be the person who sees what's possible and sees the potential. And so a lot of times I'm kind of carrying, you can do this a lot harder than some of my writers. And the way we sort of sort that out is the accountability. You know, we're going to meet together at regular times, or you're going to send me stuff at certain times. And if that goes for a long time, then do we need to renegotiate? And so a couple of people, I have one gal that uh, was working very hard on her memoir and had a baby. And so we took a break while she was doing that. And I said, let me know when you're ready. And she actually has just reached out again to finish up the project. So there's those kind of possibilities. I did have a client that I had to move this client from coaching to, you know what, I'll just edit your stuff and get it ready for publication because what they wanted was here, you know, put the track changes, show me what you do. I want to learn from you. And so I did all the track changes for that chapter. And then I put a list together of notes like, you know, here's where you can move forward. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And after that came back like two or three times where I couldn't get my client to even change the font to Times Roman, (laughs) then if we're not going to even change the font, we're clearly not moving forward on these other things that I'm showing you to hone your skills. So at that point, I said, you know what, this is taking a lot of my time. And you have those initial pages that you can go back and learn from when you're ready. But for now, if you want to get this book done, you just send me your chapters. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to polish them, make them beautiful. You okay them. We'll get the book done. And that's exactly what we did. So sometimes as a coach too, you find out what is it that your client needs. And then we move in that direction. And being able to be honest with your client Mm -hmm. and the client to feel, I think one of you had mentioned that the coaching relationship needs to be a safe place. And having the client know ahead of time, these are the expectations. That's one of the things that I utilize in the contract that I send out or the coaching agreement. The different people have different titles for it. But I always ask, what is your expectation of me as your coach? I don't even give them multiple choice. I want to know what their words are as far as I expect my coach to this and this and this and Part of that where I would realize, no, you're wanting me to do all of this work and you just show up and that's not what a coaching relationship is. What determines the length of a contract or an agreement that you might have with your writing clients? Anything specific, Deb? 
I think a couple of things I look at very closely are how much experience they have in writing. Have they been blogging for five years and now they want to write a book? That's probably going to give me some indication because I can go and look at writing samples of theirs online as to how much time might be required to do what they'd like to do. It's also the type of coaching. Are they very similar to what Peggy Sue just said? Do they really want to learn how to write well or do they want somebody to help them decide whether this is a continuing blog I have a gal who, after working with me for about four or five months, I finally said to her, you're making the same sort of commitments unwaveringly, and yet we're not moving forward. I send you back the edited work with the markups, and like Peggy Sue said, outline, here are a couple of reasons why this is important, because if they don't know why they're doing it, sometimes they'll just decide, I'm not going to do that. But if you help them understand the value of it, they will. But she kept making sort of the same sort of level of progress with everything she sent. And finally, I said to her, you're very busy. You have a family business. You speak a great deal. You're very active in your church. And I know that for you, the book writing process has been disappointing. And she told me when she started, I really want some books to sell at the back of the room after I've been speaking. I'd never, ever considered ghostwriting. I've not ever done it, and I don't plan to. But I said, if you will send me what you have, I'll book doctor it for you. And she said, what does that mean? I said, I can have this done for you in about two and a half or three months. And you'll have something that you can put at the back of the room. It will be your thoughts. But I said, the truth is, you don't have the time, the interest, or the energy to learn how to write at the level you'll need to be. Is that right? She goes, it's completely right. She said, it's so much harder than I expected it to be. And so that determined um, a, a lengthier contract for someone with a little bit of writing experience to something shorter. But the outcome was what she really desired and didn't know how to ask for it. And I've never offered it before, but I'll have to tell you. It worked really well because she was a good storyteller, really good storyteller. So all of those things, the type of coaching, their level of experience, what their out desired outcome is. And then, of course, my calendar. Sometimes you look at something and say, I'd love to do this, but this is going to be a much lengthier time frame that I really have that I can commit to it. So it's a combination of those things, I think, Linda. Okay. And this is good. I like that you mentioned that there has to be forward motion. That's what we're wanting. We know what our goals are. And also for you as the coach, yeah, what does that calendar look like? And what does it look like for the the writer? Because timing may not be their best friend right at this point. And so we need to know that, as you mentioned before, that the priorities are there. And then the length of the contract could be, we're going to work on it for X amount of months and you're giving a beginning and an end, and that way we know if we can measure the progress because it has to be measurable. We have to know that we're moving forward with that. I could not agree. I couldn't agree. I'm sorry. I couldn't no, agree go ahead. more because I have, I have worked with coaches who don't realize that unless you've identified a, a timeline, then it just becomes ad infinitum. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It should have a beginning, a middle, and an end for both parties. 
And that should be established up front. And as Peggy Sue said, things happen. She had a baby. You have to kick that out that uh, out a little bit further. But when I hear people say, oh, I've been working with the same writing coach on this book for three and a half years, I'm thinking, that's oh, not sounding good to me. That's a little bit lengthy. It's a little, a little bit, lengthy. bit lengthy book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Peggy Sue, what are your thoughts on what determines the length of your agreement with a writing client, timeline structure? A lot of it depends. We start first with what are the expectations? We definitely need to know what's the goal here. So what are the needs of the project and what are the writer's goals? Is there a deadline? Are we trying to get this book done because we've got Christmas coming and we want to share it? Is there a family reunion and we want to make sure that it's available for that? Do you already have a contract with a publisher? So we'll look at that first. And if that's not there, but it's like, I just have this book and I want to write the book, then we do put a time limit on it because I'm like, Deb, I, I'm too distractible to be focused on one person for three and a half years and the same project. So I'll be like, look, we're going to work for three months together. Then we can you know, renegotiate. But I'd like to have the first draft done in three months, or we're going to do the first three months of that. Then we're going to do the next three months where we rewrite, where we add it, but we're going to put timelines on it because I want to get it done. And then know that during that process, we're going to, I'm going to challenge you for your very best. And when you bring your work back to me, we're going to get honest with it. And we're going to look at it and say, there's what you said, but there's what you meant. And sometimes when we write, we write what we say is on there, but it's not at all what we meant. And so we make sure we clarify all those things. And that can take some time as well. But basically, it's, it's the deadline as far as what are your goals? What does this project need? And if it's a shorter book, it can go faster. If it's longer, it's going to take more. But I want a timeline on it. And I want something so that we can see that there's, there's an there's a end point on this so that we can all go, oh, good, we did this, we wrote this, and now we can move on to the next project. Good. I like timelines. I like structure. I like all of that. Then I know what my expectations are, what the coach's expectations are, and if we're both going the same path. Kind of a off-the-cuff question here. Is there a moment in a writer's life when they might say, I think now is the time that I need a writing coach? I'll toss that to either of you. I, I think that anyone who's very new to the industry as a whole I engaged a writing coach after I had written a blog for maybe six or eight months with a group of other women and knew that God had tapped me for a very specific topic that he wanted me to write about. And I began to look for resources. I went to my very first class seminar. I met a bunch of really supportive women and found a coach there as well. So it was fairly early for me. I think it made a huge difference because I didn't find myself running down a lot of blind alleys and dead ends, trying to do things, cobbling together um, knowledge from this website and this book. I worked with someone who knew not just the craft of writing, but who knew the business side of writing, who gave me very clear understanding of the type of publishing house that I should pitch to. She gave me names of people at a conference that I was going to be attending with Jerry Jenkins and said, here are the publishers who are there that, that publish your kind of, of material. So I would have had no access 
or even awareness that who, who should I ask about those kinds of things? So it was both, it was both sides of the coin. It was the craft of writing. And I understood the business of writing early in my career. And I'd been in business. It made sense to me. And I think that's part of the education a lot of aspiring authors don't have. Um, working with a deadline, working with business demands and requirements, all of those kinds of things. To them, it's, I'm a writer. Uh, what I put on the page is what I want on the page. The reality of an editor coming to say, this is not perfect. This needs to be changed. This is not acceptable. Those are all moments that I think are really important to, to have that coach on your side. For me, earlier rather than later was the right choice. That's good. Peggy Sue, what are your thoughts on that? I would like to have done it the way Deb did. It would have saved me a lot of time. My first book that I turned into Bethany House Publishers, they wanted 100 pages cut out of it. And had I been involved with writers conferences and a writers group, I would have known that that was the trend. I would have known for a nonfiction book in that moment, 198 pages was the trend. I was working off that old idea that I don't know where we even get it, that of course, if I have something to say, put it on the page, they're going to want all of it. So now what I tell people is look around and find a really good writer's conference and go. And you need to be at a conference every year because again, like we said earlier, trends change in the writing industry and the publishing industry. You need to know them. You need to network with the people. You need to know what is wanted out there by the different magazines and blogs and publishers. So be at a conference for sure, where you can check in with that, where you can network with other people. And then also plug into a writer's group and find a writer's group or form one, one of the two, but going to a conference where you find people that are serious about writing and where they want to encourage one another. But you want to get with a group that does not tear you down, but a group that builds you up and wants to see you succeed, a group that wants to network together for everybody's success. And if you're in one that when you come in and then when you leave, you leave feeling worse than when you arrived, that's not the right uh, writer's group for you to be in, go find another one. But we do need to be around other people that can show us what's what, because it'll save us a ton of time, particularly if you're doing this serious and this is a business, like Deb said, you got to know, you know, what, what are the business trends that are going on right now? What is being expected of you? Well, this is good. What I'm hearing from both of you is your moment as a writer is a personal moment in time. And it can be right at the beginning of your writing. It can be later on when you have that book and you're ready to turn it in. But what I also hear from both of you is be educated in your craft. Get educated and even education beyond a coach will really help hone what it is that you are getting ready to put in front of a writing coach, as well as what you're getting ready to present to a publishing house and that first that first glimpse doesn't repeat itself. So you want to make sure that you have the exact or the best that you can have when you're making that first step in to the industry. Here's another question geared more to the coach-client relationship. 
If you can give me three key aspects you consider necessary to have a successful writing coach client relationship, what would those be? I think for me, um, and we've talked about it at fairly great length, and that is to determine what that desired outcome is, to identify the specific goal, and to have that as our sort of our northern star. This is how we start. This is where we're headed. Things might shift in there, but it's still basically in the same direction. That's the first thing. I think the second, as I always tell my prospective clients, that my style is candid but kind because it's unkind to let you think that the work is good as is or good enough as is. My role is really to help provide assessment and feedback of the work. And there's always that balance between positive and developmental feedback. Feedback is the lifeblood of improvement. Without knowing what we can do to be just a little bit better, to be a little bit sharper, to be a little bit cleaner in the work, we're just going to continue to write at that same level. We might have something completed. Good luck selling it. Good luck getting it published or read. And the last, I think, is very important, and that is educating the client completely on the timeline required to accomplish what they want to achieve. I've had people say, well, I want to be done with this in three months because it's a, a Christmas book and it needs to run you know, alongside of that date. That's just not arbitrary. Things happen, as, as Peggy Sue mentioned. Babies come, family needs arise, a job is expanded or lost, and all of those kinds of things. But those three things, know what your goal is, give them positive and developmental feedback both, and help them really create realistic expectations about how long this will take. That's good. Three positive ones. I like those. And they're measurable. Yep. I like that. All right. Peggy Sue. One of the first things that I recommend is that you check out the credentials for the coach that you're considering because we have to be a good fit. And I'm not a good fit for everybody. And so you want to make sure that you have checked into who the coach is, go onto their website, look at the projects that they've done. Do they resonate with you? Do you look at this and say, gosh, I could learn from this person. I have a daughter who's an artist. And when she outgrew everything I could show her, we were down at an art show and we were looking at all the artists that have their stuff up. And she's looking with a critical eye and we walk down, we hit one booth. She stands back and she looks and she says to me, I could learn from that artist. And so that's who we put her with to mentor her next. So you want to find somebody that you look at their work and you're like, I could learn from this person. And so on their website, you're going to see their credentials. You're going to see their portfolio. And you can see if perhaps this is a good match before you look to find that first consultation so that would be the first one. The second one is have very clear expectations on both sides. And your coach is, it's really like in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is not there to be their friend, but to get them to the destination. And so you're looking for somebody who's going to be honest with you and is going to help you along the way. And so let's have some accountability here. And let's also have really clear expectations as to you know, what is the time management situation? Are we identifying themes? Are we strengthening a target message? What do we need to talk out? And then the third one is 
as this coach is going to help you advance your skills and hone your writing abilities, because that's part of the process. Are you going to be someone who is teachable and learnable? Are you someone who can take feedback for breakfast? Because your coach is not calling your baby ugly. Your coach is saying, hey, if we add this and this, it's going to strengthen what you're saying. And so it's really important that we can do that and have those good, honest conversations. Every time your coach tells you, I would suggest and recommend this, this, and this, they're also going to tell you why. There's a reason for this. It is still your manuscript. You still get to choose whether you accept or reject that. But even if you self-publish, this work that you put out there, when people open it and read it, does it look professional? Because if it does not look professional, if it is not compelling, if you don't grab your reader so that they want to turn pages and stay with you, then they're not going to read your next book. Your first book sells your second book. Your first paragraph sells your first chapter. Your first chapter sells your first book. Your last chapter sells your next book. Those are the things that your coach will always have their eye on. Oh, this is great. That section from both of y'all, it's like, yes, this is what we need to know. Well, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. We're going to talk just a moment on fee structure. Is there a particular way that either of you decide what your fee is going to be for a client? Do you have it already set? Do you utilize bundles? What is it that you offer and is there a norm or where someone can find what that average might be out in the Google sphere, so to speak? <laughs> Deb? A lot of it does depend on the type of work and the client's available time to reach their their identified outcome. Some want three sessions a month. I think that's overkill unless they're not doing anything except write. So first is to try and help them understand what's realistic for them. Because as Peggy Sue said, you do the markup, you send it to them, they take a look at it, they accept or reject, you come back, you talk about it. It's not an add water and stir kind of process. And so helping them understand you need some time between those appointments. Most of my clients opt for two in a month. They feel like they're making enough forward progress, but it also gives them enough time. My typical client is booked by the session at the beginning of every month for that month's appointments. And, and I bill for it to be due on the first of the month so that I'm securing those dates. If, if they don't have the opportunity to do that, then I'm securing and holding dates that they might eventually come back in a week or 10 days and say, Hey, I, you know what, my husband lost his job and I can't do this and I'm not going to be able to continue. I might've said no to other clients. So it's pretty firm for me that my fee structure is going to be, we'll put them on the calendar, but they're not finalized until that first of the month payment is due. The way that I price it, Linda, is that we may only spend 60 minutes on the phone together, but I want to really help educate them that I'm spending anywhere from 60 and frankly, sometimes 90 minutes behind the scenes work, doing that markup, editing, um, research on their behalf uh, for a tool or something that could help them or creating something that can support an area that they need to address. So th- that's kind of the, the structure. And I do, I do bundle. Um, a single appointment comes in at a higher price, uh, one a month, 
than if you do two in the month. And it stays the same if someone chooses to do three in a month. I'm probably going to make that um, a change in in the coming year because I've been tapped on the shoulder by God that next year is a year I have two pretty major projects that he's wanting me to to work on. And so I think two a month is probably where I'll land in the coming year. I may lose some clients over that, but that's okay. It, it wasn't the right fit or the right time for us to work together. I haven't really had anybody say, well, gee, I think that's too steep. I haven't had a single client ever say that, which makes me wonder, <laughs> Linda, as you're always telling me, you're not charging enough for your clients. <laughs> and that may be the case. But I will tell you this. I set a goal at the beginning of the year for my coaching income. I not only hit it, I doubled it. And it was more clients, but they were the right clients. And that felt really, really good. So I am looking at the fee structure, talking with a few friends about where mine lands and, and in comparison to theirs. And we'll see what happens. I like that you're addressing who you are as the coach and that you put restrictions on yourself, especially going into the new year, because we can overbook or we can get stretched way beyond what we can satisfy for our clients in my case, if we have too many, I only take, I take less than a handful of clients on at one time because of everything else that I'm involved in. I want to make sure that my clients get as much time, as you said, Deb, behind the scenes as they get when, when I'm right. with them together, I want them to go, wow, yeah, I received so much more than I expected. Yeah. And that's one of the key things that I hear from the majority of my potential clients who become clients is how could I not hire you as my coach? You gave me so much before we were even in a coaching relationship. Yeah. I can't imagine what you're going to do once we are in that relationship. And that is, to me, a sign that the person that I'm choosing to work with as a coach and also the person that the client is choosing to work with as the, the writer, right, that we are both looking at each other as what was mentioned before with uh, Peggy Sue said, you've got to make sure that you've got that right fit, but that it is financially equitable and that you are going to receive a return on your investment, I think that that's key as well. And that comes down to how many times you're meeting, having those set goals, all those key elements that the key aspects that both of you mentioned before. If those can be satisfied and it's in your budget, then maybe we're the right fit. Not everyone is the right fit. So Peggy Sue, what about you? What determines your fee structure, if you bundle, and, and is there also a resource that you can think of that people can go and check out to see what it might cost to, on average, have a writing coach? There's a lot of wisdom, like what Deb was saying, that's going to save you a lot of time if you go to the master. Go and apprentice yourself to a master. That's what Michelangelo did. So find that master, find that coach that is way ahead of you and can teach you. And that's going to be worth the investment if you will be teachable with them. 
One of the ways that you can find fees is there's a, what we call the writer's Bible, and that's the writer's market. That's the writer's market. And the writer's market has a fee schedule in it as to what the going rate is in the industry for whether it's coaching or for ghostwriting or for what have you. And for a coach, for a writer who's going to be coaching someone, one of the ways to look at it is either go to the writer's market and, you know, do you compare with those levels that they're talking about? But the other thing is, as writers, let's say I'm writing an article and I get paid $100 for that article and that article will take me an hour to write. That means that my income fee is $100 an hour because if I coach you, that hour is worth $100. If I write an article, I would receive $100 for that. So a lot of times you can look at a schedule that way based on if, uh, you know, what would I be doing with that hour and what would I be being paid for it? The, one of the things that I like to do is to, and I charge by the hour to work with somebody on a Zoom call and we will get together generally weekly and we pull up your manuscript and then we go through it. And in that hour, we go pretty fast, but in that time, my client is learning something. And so then the next week, when we're going through another section of the manuscript, they'll be ahead of me catching things that I taught them last week. And then it keeps moving until at the end of so many weeks and so many months, that writer is so much better than where they were when they got started. And so I can do that per hour. There's not a ton of prep ahead of that. And I also like to say, look, if you're serious and you want to get your book done and you want that first draft and you're going to do the 5,000 words per week, which is kind of like the NaNoWriMo, which is the National Ride uh, novel in a month, which happens in November. So people have done it. But if you want to do that within three months, then we hit it hard and we get it done. It is your first draft. It's not complete. You're still going to go through it and polish. You're still going to go through and edit. But at least you have something that you can work with in front of you. So that's another way that you can go through working with different coaches. And different coaches have different skills. They have different ways of doing it. I've seen coaches where they take your manuscript and they'll put this wonderful sheet together that developmentally says, strengthen this, move this, this could go here, this is important there. And, you know, great job on this. And then I see others where they actually go into the manuscript and they'll put those track changes so that you can see their notes that way. And then there's coaches that'll work with you page by page on it. So it's kind of like, what does your coach do? Where are their specialty? What is it that you need? And that's part of that consultation time where you see if we're a good match and if we work really well together. Here's another question. What would describe your perfect client? Well, my, my answer is easy. It's the one who makes new mistakes. Um, they're an active learner. They're not just depending on me to fix the errors on areas that we have covered before um, and that have been previously addressed. I want, I want them to begin not just to be able to put it on the page because it was in the markup and they accept it. I want them to develop their skill level. It's one of the most important things. And there are, I had a woman once who said to me, I, 
I want to write a book. I've always pictured my name on the spine of a book on the shelf at a bookstore with my name on it. Well, for me, that wasn't a particularly great reason to write. And, and we talked about it a little bit more. And, and I said to her, you have an interesting story and you want to do it very, very quickly. And your motivation is it's something you've always wanted to do. And I said, I think what you'd really love to be able to say is I've written rather than I'm going to write a book. And there was a long silence for a moment. And she said, you're right. She said, I've tried to learn how to write and it's complex. It takes way longer than I want to invest my time in. I just want to get that, that book on the shelf. And we decided that we were probably not a good fit for one another because I think that a coach's primary role is to meet them where they are and take them where they can possibly go. And that only happens if they're willing learners, if they're actively committed to saying, I, I, I'm making progress. I made you know, a, a, a big difference this time when I sat down to write all of that stuff we've been talking about, all of those red marks on the white paper that you have sent back to me. I get it. And they'll still make mistakes. We all will, but they're new ones. That's my ideal client, Linda. Mm, nice. Someone who makes new mistakes. Mm -hmm. I like it. Peggy Sue, what about you? Deb nailed it. Um, somebody who makes new mistakes because they know that old one and they've corrected it. Now, that doesn't mean we're not mm. going to make it again later. Even in my writer's group now, I will read a sample chapter to my writer's group and they will notice something that I know I shouldn't do. And it's like, thank you. So that stuff's normal. But when it's like, no, I am now using Times Roman as my font every time without you having to tell me. And those kind of things where you're making that improvement. One of my daughters makes her living as a writer and she's had She's had teaching from some master authors and a couple of them have come back to her and had her edit their work. Oh, wow. That is exactly what Deb and I are talking about. We want our clients to grow in their abilities so that they become peers, not just always, oh, I'm better than you. Um, yeah. So grow, get better, become a better writer, because that way our investment into you has been worth our time. And we can watch you people spread your wings and become amazing writers. Oh, Linda, like Linda, Linda, one of the yeah. things that has occurred, I, I started a writing group um, accidentally. It was not my idea, but I met two women at a conference who were Texans and we were kind of lamenting about the fact that at the North Texas, there's really no writing groups left at all. And one of the women said to me, you could do this. And I said, not by myself, I couldn't. And they both volunteered to take active roles. And so fast forward three years with the same nine women. We, lost, we had 10 and we lost one and we weren't in any hurry to replace her. And at, that, at the time that we began, I was the only person who had published seven of the nine have now published. Mm. And that's been very exciting for the group. And we just signed a contract recently on a compilation book. And they're thrilled. The key is that we have supported one another at every level. We interact between times that we get together. And here's the magic. 
We only do three three-day retreats in, in a year. We're not living in one another's pockets, but we're always available to one another. Mm. And we can pull together a quick, hey, guys, would somebody put some eyes on this and give me feedback? But the connections have been strong, and the results have been so encouraging to the point where I was able to say as we got to working on this book, okay, who's going to be first touch editor? Because it it's not going to be me. And they all looked around and we discovered we had some people who had some experience that they had never disclosed before. And we had somebody who raised her hand and said, well, I was a proofreader for my dad's print shop when I was growing up. And she's eagle eye. And so it's fun to watch those developing skills really begin to settle in. And we've got a group now that is the same, but so incredibly more advanced than when we started. That's why I do it right there. And to piggyback on that, because I would say that is what we're talking about. Deb just just gave the picture. Um, We never stop growing in our craft. So just because Deb is coaching, just because I am coaching, doesn't mean we've reached the pinnacle. Writing Mm. is very much like any sort of art, whether it's painting or whether it's playing music. You're always growing. You're always getting better. You're always improving. That never stops. And so as we watch those under us improve, we need to be improving at the same time. And when you come together in these writers groups, when you're in a safe place, and don't be in a writers group that's not safe, but when you're in a safe place, you get vulnerable with one another. And you can be vulnerable with one another. And I was, I'm in a writers group that a girl interviewed me about one of my books that came out over 20 years ago. And she looked at me at the end of the interview and she said, do you have a writer's group? And I said, no, I attended one here locally twice and came out with a migraine both times. It's just, these were not my peeps. And she said, well, do you want to meet? And so we started meeting once a month and that was over 20 years ago. We now have a core group of five or six women. We have gone through brain brain surgery, breast cancer, divorce, babies that have been born, we have gone through life experiences together on top of becoming better writers. One of the girls, her first book that she released became a Christie Award winner. I'm super excited for her, a little bit jealous in all the right ways, but you know, how cool is that? And so we celebrate her, but it is a team sport. Writing is a team sport. And sometimes your coach later on can become a co-author of something or someone that you are just writing in the same area so that you interact with one another. But writing's a team sport. Grab a coach, grab a support group, grab you know people that you can talk with and learn from, and then also bring someone up underneath you who's just getting into it and wants somebody to give them a hand. And oh that's that is great. That's a great word right there, Peggy Sue. Because as we are learning, we continue to learn and we grab someone who is coming up behind us and help them on their writing journey as well. You know, it truly is the Paul Timothy effect here. And we can always choose to do that as writers as well. This is good. So as we wrap up, Deb, what is your giveaway that you've got for our listeners? 
I've got a PDF file on procrastination and distraction. Uh, William Zinzer, who wrote On Writing Well, says the writer will do anything to avoid the act of writing. And often that's not laziness, it's perfectionism. And so I have a distraction tracker and then some instruction and some help with procrastination overall. Oh, beautiful. Peggy Sue, what do we get to get from you? You know, what Deb just put her finger on something that we say within our writing communities, which is how do you know when a writer should be writing? Because her house is clean. It's the only time we allow <laughs> ourselves to get distracted somewhere. But uh, I have a handout that is tips for choosing a writing coach. And so you can just go through those little bullet points and kind of check those off as you're deciding what coach you're going to want to talk to and have a consultation with. Well, I just appreciate both of you being on Your Best Writing Life with me. And thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have given us. We're going to walk away with a lot today. I would love to have you back on. There's a lot of different topics that we can cover. So, Deb, so good to have you with us. Thank you. And Peggy Sue, so good to have you here with us today as well. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the time with you, Linda, and with Deb. We'll have to do it again. And thank you, my friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because you know what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.